Lord, today we want to continue to remember the Wilson family as they recover today from this sickness. Also remember Sister Rachel Shaw, really sick still with the virus, so we want to remember her today. Brother Aaron, if you can get a mic to open the service. Also remember Sister Jessica Adams, she had to have surgery this weekend, uh, so we want to remember her today as she recovers. The Lord will just give her strength back and Amen. Restore her body. How many will have a need? You want to make it known to the Lord? I'm sure there's many other needs around, but just want to be mindful of them. So let's just pray together as believers. Heavenly Father, Lord God, it's it's a great privilege, Lord, to gather in this place with Lord with believers, Lord of like precious faith. Lord, to gather together to lift up the name above all names lord to gather together in a place with the opportunity to worship freely lord lord to hear the unadulterated word of the living god lord how grateful we are lord how honored we are lord to be called your children lord that in this day lord when things seem to be falling apart lord the world is falling apart all around us and we can see it each and every day lord growing worse and worse lord we have a solid rock that we can stand on Father, we have a truth. We have a God who promised he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. Lord, you said you would be with us. You'd be even in us, Lord, to the end of the age, Lord. And here we are, Lord, surrounded by chaos. And Lord, where would we turn and what would we do if it wasn't for you? But Lord, we know you're here with us, Lord. You're here in us, Lord. You're leading, you're guiding, you're providing, Lord, each step of the way. Lord, and we just want to take this moment to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Lord, and we've come this morning, Lord God, to gather together, Lord, with other believers to, to praise you for all you've done for us. Lord, to lift up your name and bring glory and honor to your kingdom. Lord, for truly you are worthy of all the praise and all the honor, all the adoration. Lord, I pray that our lives give you praise daily. But Lord, as we gather in this place for a few minutes, for a few moments in time, Lord, may the praises of Almighty God ring forth from our lips, Lord God, not only from our hips, Lord, but from a thankful heart. Lord, for truly you have been so good to us. Truly you have blessed us beyond measure. Lord, truly you have done more than we could ever deserve. Lord, and we're here to praise your mighty name. Lord, we're looking with great anticipation and great expectation, Lord, for what you're going to do this morning. Lord, for you never, Lord God, fail to disappoint. Lord, you never disappoint us. Lord, you always meet our expectations. Lord, you always go beyond our expectations, Father. Lord, we come, Lord God, as a needy people, and yet, Lord, we have a mighty God. Lord, your prophet told us that he never once saw you go into a battle, Lord, that you didn't come out packing the victory. Lord, and here we are this morning arrayed for battle, Lord, each one fighting individual battles, Lord Jesus, each one having their own needs, each one facing sickness, Lord, maybe facing demons of oppression, maybe facing financial troubles, Lord, we all have our own battles. But what I know, Lord, is we're all going to have our own victories today, Father. Lord, because you have provided for them, Lord. And we're here, Lord, to take a stand. Lord, we're here to put the armor on. Lord, we're here to go to battle this morning. Lord, knowing that with you on our side, Lord, with you leading the way, we will be victorious, Father. Lord, we have needs in our midst. We have sick amongst us, Lord God. Lord, we're so thankful that we can look back to a word, Lord, that says by your stripes we're healed. 
Lord, we're lifting up Sister Rachel Scholl to you tonight, today, Lord. Lord, struggling in her health, Lord God, with this virus that struck her down, Lord God. But we believe, Lord, with all of our hearts that she will be made well. Lord, we're asking that even today there be a positive turn, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the healing angel of Almighty God go by her way, Lord, even now. Lord, just begin to move in that home. Move on her body, Lord. Just restore to health, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. May she feel your presence draw near, Lord. May she know that she's not fighting this battle alone, Lord, but you love her. Lord, there's a church that loves and supports her that's standing with her this morning. Lord, I pray the same for the Wilson family this morning, Lord, that's been battling this sickness and it's come to their door. Lord, and we pray as if it had come to our own door, Lord, for we, each one of us, never know when we'll fight the battle, Lord. But today they're in that battle, Lord, of sickness, and I just pray that you'll just lift them up, deliver them, Lord, heal them, strengthen them, Lord Jesus, I pray. Lord, there's many, Lord, our sister Jessica that had the surgery, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll just move now and begin the healing process in her body. Lord God, and just raise her up that she can return, Lord, soon to complete health. Lord, this morning, you're bride around the world. Lord, we need you, Father. We need a touch from you, Lord. We need a word from you. We need to be strengthened, Lord, for we know there's great battles ahead. But Lord God, we look with faith knowing that we will overcome, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your love and your kindness and the mercy that you bestow upon us each and every day of our life. Lord, we turn our attention out of this service. We ask you to have your way, Lord. Move, Lord Jesus, in a mighty, miraculous way, in a way that only you can. Lord, through every song, through the preaching of the word, Lord, I pray that it all hit its mark today as I know it will. We love you, Lord, and we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn around, wave at your neighbor, greet each other in the name of the Lord. God is good all the time. Amen. You believe he's good this morning? Amen. He's more than good. Amen. He's good all the time. God is good all the time. He put us on the
He's glad to be here this morning. Amen. We get a get texts all the time up there in that booth that people's texting saying they can't hear the audience, and we only got so much volume up there, so y'all got to put forth just a little bit more this morning. I know y'all spaced all out, and it makes it harder, but we got a mighty God here that we're here to worship this morning. How many loves him? Amen. How many's got a victory this morning? Will I have a battle raging deep inside of me? My spirit wants to worship, but this old body wants to flee. But I hear a voice within me, says, child, I've set you free. So I stand right up and say right now, I take the victory. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I take the victory. I take his word. Wait. 
Hallelujah. How many have victory this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, come on now. If you have victory this morning, you can praise Him. You can magnify Him. You can glorify the name of God. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost, and it's And he's all over me. Oh, my God, my dear. 
this morning. Amen. He can be touched by your feelings, by your needs, whatever it is. This God is a God that is rich in mercy, a God rich in grace that will reach right down to you, to your needs, to your situation. Amen. We want to believe God today with all our hearts. We always want to believe him. But in this hour, we got to have people that believe, that have faith, put faith into action. It's really important. It's a day and hour where the ends of the world has come. We have already pre-tribulation plagues that are hitting here, there, everywhere. We're just asking God to just come on the scene for his children. I have there many prayer cloths today. Some are being sent out to COVID patients. Others over, well, overseas, some places we can't send to. We apologize for that. The mail service won't, deserve, won't deliver it during this time. It's cut off service. Man, but there are needs where prayer cloths can't reach. Prayers can go right on through anyway. Amen, because prayers can go beyond this room and out of this dimension into the dimensions of the unseen. 
Amen. It can find whatever the need is, wherever it is, wherever a believing child of God is. There are those that are writing me, asking me for prayer, for loved ones. One brother Wilson from from South Africa is wanting restoration for his sister and husband and daughter. They're backslidden. It's an awful thing to be backslidden in this hour. Amen. We need Jesus more than ever. We also have a prayer request for a sister, a sister Melanie from Australia. Her husband needs God's deliverance. It's a very, very sad story of, from a young boy being tragedies in the home, horrible things that happened that a young boy should never seen. Drove him to drinking. He still is drinking. He needs a deliverance. A daughter in that home that since the age of three, a spirit of sadness has overtaken her because she just don't want to live. But you know, there's a God that cares about people and their needs. Maybe I don't read every request over this pulpit that comes in from everywhere, but if I get them, they come across to me. I pray for every one of them. Just take a moment and say, God, it's your child crying out to you. There's many, as I said, not in our church, though there are a few, that the enemy is struck down with that horrible thing. Precious souls that needs a touch can't be in service today because of it. But there are these, our brothers and sisters, is what this represents. And these are just little shreds of cloth that I've been holding in my pocket and I now hold in my hand and we're going to go to the Lord and I want you to go to the Lord for your need whatever it is God knows he knows exactly what your situation is and he's able to do the exceeding abundantly above what you're able to think or ask you think or ask it he can do it beyond that if you've got the capacity got the capability to think it he's got the capability beyond that to meet that what you're even thinking and I want you to agree together with me and let's believe the Lord for your God's children everywhere for this service this morning father we're your children we come in your name Lord and we love you from the depths of our heart and we just want to express our gratefulness to you as your people, Lord, that are called by your name, are humbling themselves. Lord, they're believing in a great God who's able to do way beyond we can think. You're the healer and the deliverer and the savior and the satisfier. And I'm asking God that you'll satisfy the needs of your children. We read in the Bible. Lord, where they took from the body of St. Paul handkerchiefs and laid them on the sick and evil spirits, left them. We know the power of your blood, Lord. We know the power of prayer. We know the power of asking and receiving. And today we bind the enemy that has struck the children of God down everywhere. Those with COVID that are struggling to breathe or so fatigue and 
and sickly. They can't hardly stand themselves this morning. They have no strength. I pray in the name of Jesus that El Shaddai will come there and they will take from him today the strength giver and receive strength on the inside. I ask, Father, that you'll bless this little home down in South Africa who's praying for a wife so that she can be a, at home. And Lord, there's others that are praying that daddy can come home and that he can be a real daddy, a real father, and not be off somewhere else, but doing his responsibilities. And others are praying, sending out requests. Oh, for, for loved ones that have strayed away and many, many needs, Lord. And they're, they're great big needs to them, Lord. They're big needs to us, but there's nothing for you to do. We ask that you'll meet the needs of your children today and bring healing and deliverance. Continue touching our brother Ron, Lord, is, who is, has received strength, Lord. But he needs, Lord, complete and total deliverance. We believe that nothing can stand before our prayers, not even cancer. And Lord, we believe that for Sister Erica, Brother Donnie's daughter, that they have asked us to remember, and we'll not fail to remember. Little 96-pound girl, Lord, kidneys only working out 50%. Lord, now I have to take this chemo starting tomorrow. But let us look away from that and look, look away to Calvary, where there was one wounded for our transgressions, one that was bruised for our iniquity, one, to, one who that took the chastisement so of our peace so could, we could have peace. And by whose stripes we are now healed. And I speak healing in the name of Jesus and deliverance in the name of Jesus. And we call all of heaven to witness that we are the believing children standing right here, right here in Laodicea, declaring the word of God is the truth in this last age. And we believe from the depths of our hearts and we receive it now in the name of Jesus. And for every one of us here, Lord, there are those that are lost that need saving. There are those that are justified and they've accepted you as Savior, but they need sanctifying. There are those that have been sanctified and needs filled. There are those that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, Lord, that needs today to stir up that gift of God within them. I ask that every needs to be supplied now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, any rivers you think are impossible? God, any rivers you think are uncrossable? God, any mountains you cannot tunnel through? But listen to this. God specializes in things thought impossible. And he will do what no other power can do. I'm singing it slowly. It's a prayer right now. God in 
think are uncrossable. It looks impossible. God, any mountains you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. things are impossible I'll tell you what we had something that looked impossible didn't look like it'd ever get fixed a man that just walked along in life with a religious spirit on him always living a failure but also very religious but last October in a meeting that evil spirit left him and it's been replaced with something so much better and so much greater. And today I'm going to baptize him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Victor Middleton. Amen. God bless you. He can do what no other power can do. And he can do it for your life today. Whatever you think is impossible, he can do it. Amen. God bless you. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. We want to go to this scripture once more, and um, we're just, we just look here, Matthew 8, verse 23, and then we'll go to Zechariah chapter 4, 1. But right now, Matthew 8, 23, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea in us so much that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him and saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesians, um, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Then Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1, we'll read from there. And this scripture would come to me along with some other scriptures and about 3 o'clock in the morning this week, which is why I'm taking this subject again. And the, the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold and a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other on the, upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And then he answered and spake unto me, and saying, 
This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstones thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to speak today on the awakening. And we're still continuing the thought of, of is there hope of revival? And we're going to speak on the awakening. So as we're looking here in the scripture today, as I said, the scriptures come to, to me and the, the wee hours of the morning this week. And uh, as I was awakened by the Spirit of God, and he began to deal with my heart. And um, as I have been just combing over some of the very things that the prophet of God said, going page by page, um, uh, you know, I, I just have taken the, the, the sermons that I have studied and marked through because, um, you know, I'm, uh, someone challenged me in saying, you know, well, what, if, what, is what you're expecting really what is to happen? So I said, well, you know, I'll go back to the prophet's message and to, to see that what I, my expectations line up with what a prophet of God said. So I've taken, you know, now all the way from 63 through 65 and just going page by page and combing through and, and collecting just little parts and bits and pieces and um, because I, I want to be fine-tuned in this hour. I want to be very sensitive to what the Lord is doing and to have the right kind of expectations. Amen. Because uh, the wrong kind of expectations only bring disappointments. Now, um, I came across this little quotation in 65 that Brother Branham said and does God change his mind, ever change his mind about his word in Jeffersonville? And this was in his prayer as he uh, began that sermon. And um, he said, dear Lord Jesus, we are assembled again in your name with great expectation for the outpouring of the quickening power of God to bring us into recognition of our position and place and our responsibilities as being a called people separated from the world and dedicated to God. Now, so there again, an outpouring of the quickening power. We ought to even look for that in this service this morning. Amen. Amen. May this not be just another service. Amen. Not just be another time. I want you to focus in. This, this could be a very, very important time to you today. Amen. And if you don't, if you don't focus in, I'm going to help you do it. Amen. I'm not going to throw my water bottle at you or don't have some books to do it, but I may just come down and speak to you. All right. Amen. So, you know, um, as we're just looking at this, we want to stay very focused that we can recognize our position. Where are we at in this time? What our place is in our responsibilities. Now, we are living in some very interesting times. And looking back over the trail of time, I would say there's been a lot of surprises along the journey, uh, even a lot of disappointments along the journey, some things that we could have never imagined. 
And if we ever needed faith, it is now. Amen. We, we must believe. We really have no option. And um, by our new birth, we, we were designed to believe and not to doubt. And so that's why I'm going to preach today on the awakening, that Jesus must not long, no longer just be with us and be allowed just to sleep on our boat. In other words, someone that is there and present, but he's just you know, he's not recognized in, in our lives, in our midst, and he isn't given the place of preeminence that he, he deserves. Amen? But he must, he must be called into action. Now, we know that Jesus, of course, the, the corporal body sits on the throne of God, and certainly he is not asleep, and he's not, he's not uh, comatose, and he's not... Um, uh, unaware of what we're going through or where we're at at this time, but he ever lives to make intercession on our behalf. So he is cognizant of every bird that falls, of every problem that you have, of every situation. He is cognizant of it. But we, we must do our part to go before the throne of grace. Amen. To bring that portion of that promise to our own selves. And so he, he, of course, is not asleep, but sometimes I think on the inside, the Holy Spirit that we have is, is sometimes not brought to the forefront of our being as Christians. And this is what Brother Branham was talking about when he was saying, go wake Jesus, bring him back to the forefront. Amen. Bring that Holy Spirit word that is um, uh, we know it's alive, but we're, that it's awakening and working and that we're, we're moved by the Spirit instead of operating by the flesh because we are still a two-part being. You know, we are, in that sense, we have the Holy Spirit, but yet we're human beings. Now, of course, in that, when we are looking even in the Old Testament, we found a man in the days of Zechariah where an angel came and talked with him. And, and in his talking with him, he wakened him as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. So he was awakened there, um, you know, there out of his sleep and brought to realization where that, um, that, uh, 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 that there were things that were present that was right there that he would be able to see if he was awakened. Now, I want you to get the idea. I mean, he was, he was awakened to something present. And I want you to get this. This is what we want to understand. There can be an awakening, you know, to what is already present, to what God is doing in this hour. Now, so anyway, he says, he says this, that he looked and he said, I saw seven golden lamps and and then he began to hear the voices of God. Once that he becomes awakened to what he sees, then, and then, then he begins to hear also. As you know, when you go to sleep, your, your hearing kind of fades away and, and blocks out the sounds. And someone, when they call you, a lot of times you hear them from a way of far distance. And it way, you know, you, you start gradually coming, oh, does somebody call me? But it, but it seemed to be something way far away at first. 
and you wake in then to realize uh, and become alert, someone called me. Somebody's trying to get my attention. And this can be, of course, the condition of people that, you know, they, they have Christ on the inside of them. And they have a great faith that is on the inside of them. But it, it lays dormant within them because it is not, they are not awakened to it. And we want to shake him by the Holy Spirit today to shake us and make us realize, amen, that there's somebody present. Amen. Somebody that's present. Amen. Now, so, amen, I, I believe, don't you? So right now, I just take a dominion over every spirit this morning. Every spirit, I'm taking dominion over it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, as we're there talking about this, Brother Brandon said, what's the matter with the church today? So apparently there was something wrong that he would ask that question. He said, we're full of theology without any dynamics in it. In other words, you've got to have the spark to the gasoline. It's not even as good as water, he said, as long as it hadn't got the spark to fire it. And no matter how well we have been taught, and I want to say, I think we've been well taught in this message. And how well we, how well we believe and how much uh, we, uh, the Bible we say is true and we believe it all to be true. And I think that would be all our confession this morning. We believe it's right. Amen. It's got to be. But the dynamics has to be there, the spark to set that word of fire and make it start rolling. It's got to have that. If you don't, the church sits still and the car sits still and you sit still. But no matter how much you say, I sympathize, I believe every word of that, you've got to have something to spark that off. To make that 100 octane to go to firing. And the big church of God to go to moving on, it's got to take the dynamics with the mechanics. Nothing wrong with the mechanics, just lacking the dynamics. And I think that's what's the matter with the church today. I'm still quoting Brother Branham. That we're lacking that dynamical power to press this word and make it live for the day. Amen. He said Martin Luther had the mechanics and dynamics of his day. In other words, he had a message, just shall live by faith, and it worked. Amen. And he says, you know, John Wesley and them of his day, Pentecost, had them with their day. But what about our day? This is another time. The church should be fully grown now, ready to go meet Christ with the manifestation of every blessing that he promised in the Bible, operating in that one great body where he promised that he would meet the people and be worshiped in the, this great church of his. So again, the church should be fully grown, ready to go meet Christ with the manifestation of every blessing. Amen. Amen. Now, again, Brother Branham would have some different things to say about the conditions of this time and this age and the situations where we're at. And in 1964, he said, why the church? Why it ought to be in its most glorious stage right now. 
and the power of his resurrection and great signs and wonders. So this is where the church should be. I want to say this is where the church is. Amen. We're at that very place where God is wanting to reveal himself. Amen. Now, again, he said in testimony of C, he said, we find out that miracles isn't taking place no more like they were. The sick goes home sick. And, and he says, it isn't because of God, it's because of the lack of revival among the people. So then again, if we want it where the sick doesn't go home sick, and the needs of the people where miracles aren't taking place anymore, then we've got to get back in revival again. Amen. You say, but Brother Tim, that's impossible. There's no hope of revival. But I'm hearing a prophet say something different than what we've been told over and over and over again. Sure, revival is over for America. Revival, there will not be another worldwide revival. Amen. Even the revival, Brother Ram said that we that is promised, he said it'd be so small, they won't even know anything about it. But I'm just telling you, the move is on for the bride. That is, thus saith the Lord. And they say you can't have an old Pentecostal, old-fashioned Pentecostal revival. I'm quoting from 1965, Easter Seal. Amen. He said, but he said, but you can have one in yourself. So every person can have that revival. The nation may be gone, but you, you're still here. You need to be gone. You need to leave this world. And you know that the bride of Christ, and I'm quoting Brother Bradham again, will by no means be Laodicea. She will not be lukewarm. She will be on fire for God. Amen. And he said, because of the lack of revival among the people, there's no revival. They just sit and listen and go home and say, well, that was pretty good. And, and that's not, and, and see, there's not that zeal. Now, I'm just going to tell you what I'm preaching today about the awakening. Brother Branham was telling us there has been a rest between revivals. And he said, in this rest, we've gone on a journey. And on that journey, we got Jesus in the boat. But as we're going along the journey, there's been storms that have come up. And we have forgot who's in the boat with us. And he's telling us we must wake him because he's the only hope of getting to the other side. Now, the other side we're wanting to go to is a rapture. Amen. Amen. And we're not just going to deliver a few among the tombs. Oh, there, there will be deliverance. But even all of those that are sleeping in the tombs that are the bride of Christ down through the seven ages are going to rise up out of those tombs. We're on a journey of a lifetime. We're on a journey no other age has ever been set on. But Jesus has set us on this journey. Amen. And she is in the boat with us. And his word cannot fail. Amen. There will be a rapture in this end time. There will be a resurrection. Now, and let me just tell you, the time of just sitting there getting a good message and going home and maintaining what you got is over with. 
It's time we put to work what we got. Now, again, in world falling apart, 63 November, it seems like a drying out of the churches. Hardly can find a church anymore that's alive with the Word and with the Spirit of God and great things taking place like it was, like it was not long ago. Now, you may wonder, Brother Jim, why are you emphasizing this? Why are you preaching like this? Because this rest between revivals cannot go on forever. It's time we start stressing the dynamics. Amen. I mean, you know, we have stressed the mechanics for the last 50 years around the message. It's time we, you know, realize, hey, there's another wing to this. And just with one wing flopping around, you just flop around in a circle. You never get off the ground. That it takes two wings for this eagle to fly. So there must have mechanics and dynamics. Amen. So it's time we start stressing the dynamics, and that's what I'm doing. And why am I stressing the dynamics? Because I'm tired of seeing the sick go home sick. I'm tired of seeing people just maintain a denominational experience in a message church, sitting on a message pew. And all they've got is a denominational experience. I joined a church. I belong to this society of a church. Now, and that's why I'm announcing this morning that the rest between revivals is over. Amen. We have started out on a journey after the great healing revival that crescendoed on my that revival crescendoed into, uh, you know, into the book being taken by the Lamb and its seven seals open and thus delivering its contents to us. To where today we have an open book and we have spent 60 years since we discovered where we were in time. Go back 60 years ago and you'll know where we're at. And man, you, we're right back to, what was it, um, 1960. And that we, we, we discovered there where we were in time. That as a church, we had journeyed through seven ages. Come on. And we had now come to the last one. And there's not going to be another age. There's not an eighth one. Come on. There's not something beyond this message. There's not a bright age beyond this message or this age, amen, but right here in this last age, there's a bride who has come to maturity, who knows her place and knows her position, amen. Now, somehow along this journey, we are hearing views that have been expressed in the boat that Pentecost is really not our goal. That, you know, but before Jesus went to sleep in our boat, he taught that. That went over your head. Maybe you're just thinking about it. I said somehow we're hearing views, and you know, been hearing views as we went along in this testimony on the sea. And people have been talking about the message. 
And they, you know, we had the different ones discussing, well, this is talking about the miracles, and this is talking about the doctrines, and, and they're, 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 you know, talking back and forth and weaving back and forth, and we've heard views expressed in the boat that really Pentecost is not our goal. That before Je- but before Jesus went to sleep in our boat, he taught that. You know, and somehow we're to end up with something different today than was what was poured out at Pentecost. Now, listen, even the devil in the storm, and there's a devil in this storm. Amen. There's a devil in this storm. And when we started out on the boat and the winds are now blowing and, you know, he knows there's deliverance laying ahead. He knows there are tombs that's got to be emptied. He knows that there's coming a major defeat for him and all of hell has come out against us with millions of devils swearing that he would drown us before we could reach the goal. Are you with me? And the devil in the storm knows assuredly that the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims as his own and all else is false. It has to be Christ in the church is a continuation of the book of Acts. Don't point to me all their failures. I don't want to hear it. Don't point to me all the bickering and the fussing and whatever, except the only good that does to me to let me know is that we can have a book of Acts right in the middle of trouble. Amen. That's all it points to me. That people are people and humans are humans and trouble is trouble no matter where you go and what age you live in. But we can have a book of Acts right in the middle of trouble. I'm talking about we're a continuation of the acts of the Holy Ghost, not the acts of carnal men. And it is not the acts of carnal men that is being restored. It is the act of the Holy Ghost working in his people. Don't miss the point. The seven ages were represented by seven lamps. The holy fire from the altar being passed from lamp to lamp to lamp as he saw this lamp here with seven golden candlesticks. It's a wonderful type of the Holy Spirit in the seven church ages. The original outpouring of Pentecost, which outpouring came direct from Jesus from on the mercy seat. Now, no wonder some people say the outpouring is over. Because they don't believe Jesus is on the mercy seat no more. You see, the original outpouring of the Holy Ghost, or the of Pentecost, which, which came direct from Jesus on the mercy seat, is in doing, in doing his church through all the seven ages and showing perfectly that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and the never-changing God, the, in essence and his ways. But yet... We're being told on the boat that somehow we got something different from what they had in Acts 2. That the Holy Ghost don't come the same way. Amen. And for me, indeed for many, it doesn't match the original outpouring. 
And whatever this snake oil is there that we're trying to burn today, the fire of God won't stay lit on it. So that's why it keeps going out. Amen. But come back to the original oil. Listen to what the prophet said. What the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. There is no other pattern. But somehow we're winding up with something different. We, we don't want those Acts 2.38 blabbering, screaming, shouting, amen, who have the second Adam's way of acting. Amen. Again, the prophet of God would tell us what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God. She had the power of the Spirit manifested in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit. But somehow, we're told to expect different results. And if the original root at Pentecost was an orange tree, how can we have bitter lemons coming forth as the fruit? Broken fellowship. The oars that were to be used to push the boat along toward the goal has wound up as weapons against one another. Scripture doesn't fight Scripture. And quotes don't fight quotes. Again, the the true church will always try to be like the original at Pentecost. I hope that wrong. Amen. The true church today will try to approximate that early first one. The messengers to the churches having the same spirit of God in them will try to approximate the apostle Paul. They won't be exactly like him, but the true messengers will be the ones that come the closest to Paul, who is free of all man, sold out to God, and gave forth the word of God only, and manifested the Holy Ghost in power. Nothing else will do. You have to work from the original as like begets like. The true church will always be the one that tries to follow in the steps of her founders at Pentecost and her messengers will follow the apostle Paul. The first messenger to the first church is that simple and that wonderful. Again, quoting from Brother Branham, oh, where are we spiritually? We're in a wilderness We're in a wilderness of darkness. How far we have wandered from the first church. Pentecost is no longer in view. The word can't be found. You know, there comes a point, you know, in your journey, you can look back easily and see where you came from. And you're headed toward another goal. But, you know, once you get so far... You can't see what was back there, and yet you can't see what's up there. Amen? So that's why you got to have the compass of the Word just to keep going in the correct direction you were told to go originally. Amen? Now, again, let me just say again that the same Spirit that was in Jesus while he was here on earth causing him to do mighty works, which he did came back on the church at Pentecost, so they did the works that he did. It is the restoration. God will take the church right back to Pentecost to the beginning. Now, of course, you know, we hear the murmurings on the boat. 
But we're in the bright age, and there's no revival in this bright age. You know why? That's because we turned the, we turned the bright age into an intellectual revival. And we call that a word revival, and it's not a word revival. It's an intellectual revival. Now, in Broken Sisters, Brother Branham told us, he said, education cannot bring life. And too many times our, 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 our pulpits have been turned into intellectual um, uh, speeches and talks rather than the power of God and the salvation. Amen. Are you with me? But it can never bring life. As he said, it takes the Spirit of God to bring life. And life must, get, must not come out of an intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible. A word revival. And that word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls today and quickens, you get the same results you got in Acts 2. Now, it always has, always will be, because it's the Spirit of God that conditions the atmosphere. And it is the rising of the sun. Brother Branham talked about Christ being the first fruits that slept. Then he talked about the bride coming of Christ, that there was another first fruits. We're at another harvest. We're in harvest time. And in this harvest time, it's not the groom coming, it's the bride coming. That's what, why a lot of the confusion that's going on today is people don't realize he had to come in bride form before he can come back in groom form. So he's got to come back in his church first. Amen. In order to do that, he had to have a word of God that would come to a prophet. So there would be a word coming through a prophet to become flesh and a bride. Come on, somebody. And that bride to become the bride coming of Christ. Do you realize you are part of his coming? That we are already in his coming because God has a bride here on earth who is Christ in bride form because he got the same spirit, the same life. And if you got the same spirit and the same life, then you got to have the same results. So he said, even as there was a sheaf, as they would take, uh, you know, omers of the grain of the barley harvest, and they would wave that. They would wave that um, in, in the barley harvest, and then that would happen the, the day after, um, after the crucifixion or after the Passover. And then, and then they would then come up 50 days, seven weeks later, and there would come another waving of the sheep. The, the sheep, sheep, not sheep, sheep. A sheep is a collection of the grains. Amen. And they would collect it. And a priest would wave it. It's amazing. Do you, you realize that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, at the rising of the sun, he arose from the dead in his resurrection at the very same time that the high priest was there in the temple waving the barley harvest before the Lord. And here was the first fruits. The first one up from the dead. Hallelujah. Waving before the people. I'm not dead. 
And there was a harvest of the Old Testament saints, for they, they that slept rose with him. Come on. There was a harvest then. Now, 50 days later, seven weeks later, seven church age later, it is now not a barley harvest, but a wheat harvest. And the wheat harvest is the Gentile. Hallelujah. Amen. And God has brought a first fruit of the first from among the dead out of the tombs of denomination to wave before the people that he's the same as yesterday, today, and forever. That this one's exactly like the one that fell on the day of Pentecost. Now, if wheat, this is it, if wheat was the original planting, then the harvest can't produce a different result. If it was a wheat planted at Pentecost, you can't have a different result. The message must be the same. Somebody help me preach. I mean, come on, if you planted wheat, you don't expect to get corn or that's maize or, 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 or garlic or some other thing. You expect wheat. Amen. And if God planted a church on the day of Pentecost and it was wheat, then when it comes back to harvest again, how come we're expecting a different result? We've got to have the same result. And if that one wrote a book of Acts, this one writes a book of Acts. And if this one displayed the Holy Spirit, this one displays the Holy Spirit. The acts of the Holy Spirit will be in that church. And she's way before the people. Come on. Amen. Before the Lord. As the first ones, the first fruits from the dead. Now, this is part of it. Now, I want you to get this. Now, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the bright age and what its message is. Because people say, well, we're in the bright age. We're not in Pentecostal age, which we're not, not, not Azusa. We're actually not even in the first age again. We're not in Ephesus. We're not repeating the church ages. This is the bride age. You know what bride age means? It means where it comes to maturity. You don't, you don't take a little girl, you know, that's five, six years old and make her a bride. Unless you're some of these idiots from overseas. You don't do that. Amen. You, she's got to come to maturity. She's got to be a mature woman. And God can't take an immature church. That's why he's been waiting on you to grow up. Amen. For you to, to develop some faith. For you to, to grow up in Christ. To be like he is. For the church to be an exact match to him. Somebody with me. Amen. So for the bright age, he said, for the bright age, the resurrection out of dark denominationalism will be a message. How many wants to know what that message is? 
The message of the bride age is that the full maturity of the word has turned back in its full power and is being waved over the people by the same old signs and wonders that he did back there. Because I live, you shall live also, speaking to his wife. Amen. Because I live, you shall live also. What a resurrection that was 2,000 years ago. Amen. But what a resurrection this is. To be quickened from the dead. To be made alive in Christ Jesus by God's quickening power. So the message is, go tell my disciples I am not dead. I'm not just a creed. Go tell my disciples I'm alive. Amen. I'm no longer in the tombs of denomination. Come on. I can't be held back in the dark cloisters, but the Holy Spirit has been released by the evening time message. Amen. And that message has a message to the world. Go tell my disciples. Go tell them I'm not dead. I'm not just a theory. I'm not just an intellectual revival. But go tell them I'm alive with the same sign, the same wonders, the same Holy Ghost, the same power, the same divine healing, the same miracles. I'm alive. That's the bride Abe's message. She's to be the same kind of bride, the same kind, built out of the same kind of material she was at the first place. Amen. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message in the last days that it turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original. Oh, this is going to choke some of us. Oh, man. And I'm not using it as an oar to slap you. I'm trying to say we need some direction in this hour. Turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word. And then he says, brothers, we are here. (laughs) Hallelujah. We got the message. We just need to go tell. Amen. Oh, my. Listen. He said, as Pentecostal people today, by the way, this Easter seal, today let me say this, that we are standing. How many wants to know where we're standing? We are standing in this last day where God promised he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And his sons and daughters shall prophesy for he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. It's the hour. That's what makes that creation in you. Now, so then how do we expect different results if it's the same thing? Come on. Amen. Listen, if it, you know, if, if we are to be quickened and made alive like them, then also shouldn't we have the same results? Amen. Let me stop here just for a minute. Because in the type it was shown from the crucifixion, which is the Passover time, to, and the resurrection, there were, there were again seven weeks. Is that right? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there were these sheaves that had been gathered in the upper room, and they were ready to be weighed. Come on. And so on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after, come on, 
after the, the Passover, and we have come now 50 days or, or seven months or seven, or excuse me, seven church ages, we have come now. Is everybody with me? You're on the same page? Now, since the Passover, here we are, and now we're filling out all the tithes, and now the day of Pentecost has fully come to the church ages. And we are in the days where the, the day of Pentecost has fully come because it's been the Feast of Weeks. It's been the seven church ages. But now we're in the last. When that Pentecostal group on the day of Pentecost received their abstract deed, isn't that what we got? Somebody help me preach. Look, look, is this not an abstract deed today? Is it not? Amen. When God took the seven seals off of the book and opened the book and showed us clearly what serpent seed, predestination, eternal security, all of the things of things in the Bible, where the Bible is now an open book and we're not guessing in it. We don't even have Brother Branham guessing at it. Proving into the book, wondering if he's right or wrong, because now by divine vindication, we have the book open. And the seals is off the book, giving you an abstract. This age has received an abstract of title. Hallelujah. But that's not all of it. You as an individual can receive your abstract of title, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which means everything that was against you is struck off. All your sins, all your past. Amen. Ever debt. Tell me one debt you made Jesus can't pay. Amen. Why? You, with the Holy Ghost, you have an abstract that ever sin has been wiped away. Hallelujah. You are free and clear. And on the day of Pentecost, when they received their abstract, it glorified their soul. They screamed. They saw tongues of fire separated upon each of them. And it quickened their body till they couldn't even speak in an earthly language anymore. It quickened their body to a heavenly language, the place that we're going to. Quickening power shook their mortal bodies so till their entire mortal language was transfigured, transformed into an immortal language. What a quickening power. What something that belongs to the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body. It shall quicken your mortal body. We are quickened by the power of the living God. Tongues quickened up to a heavenly language to speak to them, a rapturing up, raising up into a different atmosphere than what they ever had lived in. And now the, with the, also with the quickening life to them that come to them, it quickened their language. They spoke in new tongues. It was designed to give them, after this abstract, it was designed to give them every promise that was on the grounds. So when we got an abstract of the book by the opening of the seals, it opened up every promise in the land. That's why I'm preaching on the people of the land because it opens up the whole land. Everything that God gave in the past is ours. Is that right? If they laid hands on the sick, we got the right to do so. 
Amen. They spoke with new tongues. It can happen to you. They saw signs and wonders because it's God's promise. Amen. Amen. And the quickening power was there. Now, it brought them back to the grounds. That's what happened to us. It opens up everything. Now, the rapture belongs to you. The deed is clear. All the confusion of the ages was wiped away. Come on. And when you get the Holy Ghost, the same thing. Whether your mama done it, your daddy done it, whether you were illegitimately born, or whether you were in a situation that, you, you know, where you did the sinning, and as evil as it was, come on. But when you get an abstract, it shows the debt is paid. And the devil doesn't have a claim on your life anymore. Glory to God, I'm preaching to people that the devil don't have a claim on. That we can say like Jesus said, that, that Satan has come and he has found no part in me. He don't have a part in my life. I don't belong to him. My body don't belong to him. My attitude, my spirit, nothing belongs to him. Satan, you have no right on the body of the bride of Jesus Christ. You have no right on our children. You don't have any right on our children's children. Because we've got an abstract that the deed is clear and that every promise in the book belongs to us. Mm, hallelujah. When Jesus was here, he demonstrated the grounds that belonged to the sons of God. On those grounds that were healing, there were miracles. Hallelujah. How dare we have some ones who said we don't have no rights to it. While we're the people of the book. Amen. Easter seal, he said, the works that I do, so you do also. John 14, 12, these signs shall follow them that believe. That's Mark 16. That is the assurance when we see a group of people setting together and those signs manifesting themselves. That is the assurance that the abstract is there to vindicate that that's the property of God. And you want me to hide it under a bushel? You want me not to testify of what God has done? Amen. No, sir, when we see those signs manifesting themselves, when we see healing, when we see backsliders coming back, Protestants coming home, when we see those that were impossible saved, hallelujah, brain bleeds healed, come on, cancers leave, amen, kidney disease leave, when we begin to see the signs multiplying among us, that is the assurance that the abstract is there to vindicate this is the property of God. It is our property. We know now cancer can be healed in our generation. Amen. It is our property. We know now. Amen. Amen. You talk about a knowledge. This is the knowledge we've wanted. Oh, my. Not just knowledge of how to dissect and, you know, add to and read between the lines and say something Brother Branham didn't say and the message didn't say. If the new birth is experienced, 
here's what we have. The dew drops that come down from heaven, the Word of God says it'll wash away every sin and remit. And you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for what? What for? The remission of your sins. Sins remitted in the name of Jesus Christ. As he said, it is, it is the rising of the sun in his prayer. Father, if they're sick, may they walk out of here well. Maybe, maybe if they're crippled, that they walk out into the power of the Holy Spirit. If they've been sinners, may they walk out of here washed and clean. And the mechanics by going in, the dynamics from above, the Holy Spirit catch them away, quicken their mortal bodies. Then we will hear, we shall hear genuine new tongues, powers of God, love untold, dying grace and living grace, and a resurrected Christ, a body, a bride, representing on the earth. Notice he said, the very message, again, rising of the sun. Unless I tell you, it's going to be from 63 through 65. That's what I'm covering. The very message of the gospel itself is to prove to the people that he's risen. Go tell my disciples, I am risen from the dead. I'll meet with him to confirm this. Oh, God, how in this last day there shall be light again across the earth. And I'll prove to my disciples, go tell them, I'm not dead. And I'm not a tradition, but I'm a living Christ. I'll meet them. Take this message to my disciples that I'm risen from the dead. It's the gospel, the good news. Hallelujah. So Jesus is in our boat. I don't care what you're going through today. You may be listening to me and COVID's got you down. I don't care. We got Jesus in the boat. A boat that's got Jesus in it is unsinkable. Are you with me? Amen. Go wake Jesus. He says, they seen him do the same thing. They had him out there heal the sick and raise the dead. And for no things, tell the people the secrets of the heart. And they believed they were on a, the road to another revival. But when trouble set in, they forgot all about it. It's easy when trouble comes to get our minds off of what our real goal is. This is when quarrels start in families, when they get their minds off of what our real goal is. This is when trouble starts, when we get our goal off of Jesus. We make something else our goal. Oh, if I could just get ahead in life. If I could just get ahead. If I could just get ahead in life. I'll tell you how. Get Jesus. You're ahead of everybody else. Amen. Come on. Amen. I walked through my home this morning, the early mornings. I looked around. I said, thank you, Lord, for my home. Thank you, Lord. You've provided for me, and you've been more than enough, and you blessed me abundantly. Thank you. But this is not what I wanted. 
This was never what I wanted. It was never what I wanted. What I want is that mansion. What I want is a mansion about this tall with all his hair and all the right color. Amen. Not a defect anywhere. 21 forever. Amen. It's not a slogan. Forever 21 is real. There is a people who that's their experience inside their soul. They are forever 21 and their body's going to come and line up with that. It's a mansion. But when trouble sets in, we begin to forget all about who's in our ship. He's just as great as he was. Out here in the divine healing move and opening the eyes of the blind, he hadn't changed in power. Made cripples walk. He's still the same God. Amen. He's just as great as he was when he stood in space. How many believes us? Amen. I, I sort of believe in the Big Bang. It's not a theory. It really happened. He took and rolled the world off his hand, throwed it out there. Let it drift maybe for a million years till it comes an iceberg and pulls it back and puts it right in position and place. And he sets it there. Everything revolves around. He's the God who did this. My God said, let there be, and it was. You want to argue about it, and science says, I don't really care what punky science says. They never have been true in what they know. They only know as men. But my God spun this world off of his hands and put it out there, a little dot in the universe, and he poured all his love out on it. And when you take and you look from other worlds and you look from other worlds and other universe, it's such a little speck. It's not even discernible to the eye. It's a piece of dust. But on that piece of dust, let's look a little further. There was a Timothy Hall, a little tiny piece of dust. And God so loved that piece of dust, he became one of them to redeem Timothy Hall and to make a son of God out of him. Because this God is so big, he can become so little till he becomes a piece of dust, just like you, to save that piece of dust, to bring you back and put you in the orbit that you fell from that was in his mind before the world began. And he's not going to lose one of his pieces of dust, even if you're a legion bound with demons and the church is struggling to get to you, but we're coming. We're coming. And I want the devil to know we're coming. We're coming for those among the tombs. We're coming for the legions that are possessed. We're coming for the sick. We're coming for, for the dead in Christ. We're coming. We're on our way. But we got to get Jesus awoke in our ship to get there. 
as I thought about awakening, I thought of Lazarus. This is 3 o'clock in the morning. Lazarus, four days. Four days. And I'll go wake him. Types Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, and here now. We're on the fourth day. I go wake him. But this time, it won't be just Lazarus. Amen. Remember Brother Branham saying if he had this, hadn't said Lazarus all the dead in Christ would arose. But he said Lazarus. But this time he won't say Lazarus. This time he will call and all the dead in Christ will hear his voice and live. I'm telling you, friends, we're not just coming for the legions among the tombs. We're coming for the dead that is in the tombs. Makes me want to shout. This God is just as great as he was when he healed the lepers. There's no problem for your skin condition. Amen. He's as great as he was in the Welsh revival. He's as great as he was in any time. And he's here in the ship. Trouble set in. Brother Branham said, we go to places, we find fusses in the church, tear up. You know, that Aruna church, stay together. He said, if we just catch that vision, the very Jehovah that made the heavens and the earth is right in this little vessel of ours. Amen. While we're sailing life's solemn main for the Holy Ghost of Jehovah in, that, in, that, in spirit form in you, God, the Holy Ghost, is God himself in you. And Jesus said, at that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me, and I in you, and you in me. Then God, and all he was, he poured into Jesus, and all that Jesus was, he poured in his church, and he divided himself on the day of Pentecost. That pillar of fire came down and busted itself up this kind of glory and put it in different ones. Tongues of fire was seen up on each one. The Holy Spirit, God, identified himself in human beings. Each of us have us that portion. But in that portion, in each portion, is omnipotence. That's why he said, if you say to this mountain, because in you dwells omnipotence. Are you with me? Amen. It's there. It resides in you. We need to wake Jesus. Maybe between revivals, Brother Branham said, now I'm quoting, he says, maybe between the revivals now, and he's talked about the revival they'd just been through. Oh, the blind saw, the deaf heard, you know, the the different ones were, were delivered. Between the revivals now, we're looking for another stir. Oh, this is one of those forgotten quotes. Another stir. We're looking for another stir. I'm reading this. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an after seals message. Amen. Between the revivals now. Where, where, where's our revivals? The divine healing. And where the seals were opened. The miracles and the miraculous was done. Between these revivals. There's another revival coming. Come on. No, it's not a world revival. 
It's the bride's revival. Amen. And that revival is here and it'll crescendo into the change of our bodies. And he said, between the revivals now, we're looking for another stir. So what I'm trying to tell you, there's a stir been going on and there's been a storm been going on. Somebody help me preach. And devils have been in that storm and caused havoc everywhere. Come on. Amen. But there's another stir in the stir. Amen. Jesus is getting stirred in the hearts of believers. And in the believers, there's a stir within the stir. And that stir within the stir is going to destroy the stir that the devil has. Every stir, every power, every satanic move. Amen. Right on down to where it'll go. Find that individual. And mercy will come to that house. We're between revivals now. We're looking for another stir. Where there's got to be something happen that will gather the church together. This revival will crescendo in the dead in Christ rising. Legion, he lived among the tombs, dead things. Jesus went to deliver those who were among the tombs. He went to seek and to save that which is lost. Brother Branham said, it's a good hangout for the devil, a dead place. That's the way it is. He hangs out at dead places. He said, if you want to know truthfully, some of the old cold formal churches that has a form of godliness and denies the power thereof is a real hangout for devils. Didn't the Bible say that they would become a cage of ever unclean and hateful bird? Amen. You know, they're, they're, that's why sitting on message pews can be, can be every kind of sin. Every kind of sin discovered. Come on. Because what? The word is not being preached to bring conviction and correction. Are you with me? Amen. Oh, he says, if you want to know truth, some of this old cold formal churches that has a form of godliness deny the power there are real hangouts for the devil. That's right, a place where they say, oh, that's just a workup. That's all mental. That's psychology. Oh, my, and some of these devils don't make you cut yourself. Some of them are just as shrewd and polished as can be. Amen. But they're scholars. Well, don't think they're not. You know, Brother Branham, oh, he says, he says, those Jews that denied Jesus, they were polished Bible scholars. The same religious devils came down, comes down in the people today. Some people trying to make fun of the baptism of the Holy Ghost or speaking with tongues. Hmm. You know, they were on their way to a deliverance of men who were among the tombs, broken and shattered lives. Right now, right now, dear brother wrote me, I don't want to add to your burdens, Brother Tim, but I'm burdened. I hear the sound of, of spastic children of those with autism, of those laying afflicted for years and years and years. Little more than mindless vegetables 
and exhausted parents. And oh yeah, we have them. I hear of husbands that are drunks, smothering over memories of a horrible childhood where that husband watched murders happen. I hear of children suffering from demonic oppression with intense sadness until they wish to die. I hear of mothers crying for their children bound with alcohol. Some drugs. I, I, I. Some right here in this church, mothers, fathers, Crying for their children, bound with alcohol, drugs, and an unimaginable sin. And they're wondering, can they be free? Can they be free? Brother Tim, it's awful. It's awful for you to build hope for them, Brother Tim. There's no hope. I'm reminded of that. Brother Bradham talked about a young man in a wheelchair and he prayed with him. He said, now you go and believe and you confess it. He kept confessing it, confessing it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be well. I'm going to walk. He's a paraplegic. I'm going to walk. Finally, there was some minister who got there and said, you know, it's a shame. You know, somebody got you to hoping and now you're all unhappy and you're, you're dissatisfied with life and you, you, you now, you know, want to walk and it's impossible and, and you're, you'll never walk. You'll never walk, son. Got to, got, got to, it's like they talked to Ron Spencer when he fell 40 feet. So the first thing I want you to get in your mind is realize you'll never walk again. You'll be this way forever. And these preachers come there and said, I know you got your hope stirred up by that healing evangelist. And that young man right back in his chair and he looked at him. He said, sirs, if you were in my place, would you take away the only hope I got? And when he said that out of that chair, he came and ran all over the place. that there's some of these with horrible condition. Their only hope is Jesus. Their only hope is Jesus comes alive. He's not dead, but he comes awake. He's stirred up inside of this bride. That's their only hope. Well, it's awful, Brother Tim, for you to build up hope, but there ain't no hope. I'm not trying to give you hope. Get this down. I am not trying to, out there in the lands, wherever this goes, from, from South Africa to, to Asia to Japan to, to everywhere, it's going everywhere. And whoever you are, over in Canada, you're listening. I am not trying to build your hope. I am preaching faith, Amen. not hope. Amen. Because legion, the, the, the bound, the afflicted, the blind, the deaf, and the dumb are waiting for us to realize Jesus is in the ship. Yes. 
Don't you know, Brother Tim, there's no hope for them? Yeah, I know. They're hopeless. Medical science can do nothing for them. Some of them normal babies, talking, walking, giving, giving an immunization shot, go into some kind of shock, never speak again, become autistic. Believers' children. And medical science says, hopeless. And I'm not trying to give them hope. I hear Brother Branham. Listen, I read this quote. All of us love our pianist, Sister Lori Ann. She was a young girl, young mother. She came to me and she said, Brother Tim, the doctors just said I have rheumatoid arthritis. And soon I will be in a wheelchair. And I became angry. I got a call the other day. The Lord laid on my heart to call a person. They don't go to this church. Somebody I know, a couple. I just felt in that moment to give them a call. I gave them a call. I said, oh, Brother Tim, my wife's so sick. She's so sick. She's got a headache. She can't, and it's just been for, for years now, and it just keeps coming and coming. And I got angry. I think it's time we get angry. This devil has no right to God's children. We've got an inheritance. It's time somebody gets mad. I prayed with him there on that phone, and she immediately started feeling better. But, but as I drove along, I said to my wife, I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I was gritting my teeth, and I was saying, I am so mad. I don't know what to do. I'm going to get that devil. Oh, that it would come and even the light tabernacle that we'd quit being complacent to let the devil blow us around everywhere. Come on, let him rule our homes and ruin our marriages and wreck our children. Sister Lorian, I just read this quote and it has so stirred my heart. I grabbed my book. And as I, as I brought it out in this sermon this morning, I thought of this again. I said, well, Brother Branham said, well, if God loved you enough to bring you out of sin, how many knows he loved you that much? Yes. Amen. He loved you enough to bring you out of sin and fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. What's the matter? With you poor, spineless weaklings around the country, won't he much more deliver you from your affliction when he promised he would do it? God's word said so. He'll do it. He delivered him out of the hand. Yeah. Amen. Poor, spineless weaklings. Yeah, we can't do it. I can't offer him any hope. Why are you preaching like this? Because I'm trying to change your thinking. Right. Amen. Thank you. 
It's also been this way, that way, this way, all the raging. But I'm trying to change your thinking. Oh, yeah, I know. You may not believe it, but I know. God bless you, Brother John Lay. You may be listening. Some of his family listen. I'm not trying to embarrass you. But when he reached a crisis in his life, to the point he had a nervous breakdown, and he was in awful shape, he come and, he come and offered me his life savings to go on to church. He gave his car, his truck away to his son. He was doing this and doing that and doing just irrational things. His wife, I told her, I said, Sister Marie, if you need a break, let me know. I'll, I'll stay with him one day because he couldn't be left. One thing, he had confidence in me. They had so much, so much confidence. She needed a little surgery and said, I'll take you old brother Tim. Said he can do that surgery. Amen. That's how much he believed in me. He'll do it. He'll take that out. He believed in me that much. Timothy knows. She called me up and said, I need a sitter today. I have had enough. I said, we'll bring him over. You go take the day off. He can stay with me. We went down to the barn, and Brother Timothy was there, and whatever, and we started just talking about some things. And next thing you know, he's yelling out of his head. Some, just some irrational something screaming at the top of his voice. And I just say, Brother John, come on here with me. Come on, we got something to do. I take him over to some little garden where I had some plants to put out. And I said, come on. I said, help me put these plants out. And we knelt down. And as we was kneeling there, and we was putting our plants, and I said, yeah, I want them this deep, and I want this much dirt on them. And, you know, I was just talking to him, and, and I was just trying to get in the right, find the right spirit. And finally... I put my arm around him as we was kneeling there. And I said, Lord, somewhere out there, this man's spirit has drifted away from him. And it's out yonder. His human spirit, his mind has went from him. But right now, I'm reaching for that spirit and bringing it right back into this body. And I'm asking for it to come back into this body right now. He rose up from there a healed man. His mind came back to him. That's what I'm trying to do with you. I'm trying to get your mind set back on Calvary. On what the cross did. On who Jesus is. I'm trying to change your thinking. When you look and you're thinking there is no hope. I am telling you, I'm not trying to tell you there is hope. There is no hope. What I'm trying to tell you is my father, amen, he believed in hope against hope. And his faith and his hope had a war and his faith won. Amen. 
Hallelujah. He was known as the father of faith, not the father of hope. And if I can get your mind set back on Calvary again, hallelujah, you'll become people of faith who believe in the impossible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what happened the other day in in an ICU room. I got enough of it. And I walked in there and said, Satan, I've had enough of this. Now you take your hands off of God's child. I'm angry, and you're going to take your hand off of my wife, and her mind is coming back to her, and she's well today. Brother Bradham said, here's just a little ill inside. It's catching her spirit. And then your projection to her, your very thought. And you change your thinking. And what it does, and you can center her on Christ. And from there, she can go on. But you got to change her way of thinking. She can't change it herself. She's in just a world. And you got to pick that up. This is what Brother Bradham said in the absolute report. Now, again, changing your thinking, getting it back on Christ. Because you're thinking it's hopeless. I might as well give up. It ain't never going to happen. Father Abraham against hope believed in hope. Amen. When hope was against him, there was no longer any reason to hope. Come on. There's no reason to hope a 90-year-old was going to have a child. And him a 100-year-old. Come on. There was no reason to hope there. Amen. But against hope, he believed. Hallelujah. Faith caused him to have a different hope. His mind was changed by the visitation of the angel. Oh, hallelujah. If we can get the angel, Christ Jesus, to rise in our hearts and a visitation take place, you'll quit hoping and start believing. Stop here just a minute. We should realize, quoting Brother Branham, 1965, we should realize that in us has been given, we who believe in Jesus Christ, been born of his spirit, filled with that quickening power, and that power is in you by laying on the hands on the others like the disciples did down to the ages has absolutely healed the sick, raised the dead, showed vision, prophecy, and the very same spirit that lived among the early apostles is living in the church today working the very same things. And as quick as we can realize that, see, no matter how much it's a working, you've got to recognize that and believe that it won't do one bit of good until you do believe it. But the moment you believe it, your troubles are ended. So why are you trying to give them hope? I'm not. I'm trying to stir up their faith. Those hard and hopeless cases. I'm trying to stir your faith. Will you start believing for the impossible? That nothing is impossible with you. 
You can overcome. You can rise above. You can break the cycles. You don't have to continue the same path that others before set for you. Come on now. It can be changed. Now, this scripture came to me about 3 a.m. in the morning. The other morning when I was thinking on this, just a flood of things began to come. And the scripture came, and I want to examine it before we close this morning. I'm not sure how I'm closing this. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, we often quote that by itself. I want you to look at it in its context. Because Paul is saying, I often think of that genuine faith of yours, a faith that first appeared in your grandmother Lois, then in Eunice, your mother, and now I'm convinced it's in you as well. Because you have this faith, I now remind you to stir up that inner fire which God gave you at your ordination. So again, again, I want you to see this in a little different light. Here was, here was Timothy who had a gift of faith in his life. And Paul said, I recognize it. I, I saw it in your grandmother. I saw it in, in Eunice, your mother. And now I see it in you. And so I recognize that in you lays a gift of faith. But I want you to stir it up. And he said, because, because God, oh my, come on now. Because he says, God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power and of a sound mind. Are you with me now? He has not given you this for you to be timid with it, but to put that faith forth, to stir up that faith that is in you. Are you with me now? I remind you to stir up that inner fire which God gave you. Amen. Stir up that gift of God. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Keep that faith ablaze. God don't want us to be shy with his gifts, but be bold and loving and sensible. This is what he was saying. God does not want you to be shy with your gift. You've got faith. He wants you to put it to work. He didn't give Christ in your life for him to sleep. He put Christ in your life to overcome with. So stir it up. Set it ablaze. Revive God's gift, his strength, his zeal. Remember that statement, resting between revivals? I want you to know we're headed now toward another surge of the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me preach. 
Brother Branham said, I'm looking forward to another time, 63 sermon. I'm looking for a time of a break forth of the Spirit of God in these last days we're now living in for another surge of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit into the church for a rapture in faith just before it comes. Everything is setting right straight in order that, and I believe it. We're now at the time that the Word shall have preeminence. Is somebody with me? So Brother Branham was looking for another surge in the church. I think we need to get ready for it. Come on, we need to change our mind that we can't have revival. Just because the world can't have it, the U.S. can't have it, but I can have it. And even the like tabernacle can have it. And wherever you are, right around the world in South Africa, Asia, wherever in South, down in Australia, you can have revival. Again, World Following Part 63, he said, the church is ready. She's sealed in, ready to come. There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit. Yes. Stir. Serve. Yes, sir. To grab that church and take her in the skies. Exactly. Because, see, the church, the word, the bride, and Christ's ministry is in the bride, which is his body. Again, let me carry you down this line just a second. As I went through page by page, and I've been a student of this message, let me just tell you, when I was a 15-year-old boy preacher, and some man laid his tithe in my hand. I looked at that and I said, that's so sacred. I'll never abuse that. This is from God. And if I am given tithe from the people of God, they will have my time. I don't flip my time away. Every chance I get, I'm looking, searching, asking, seeking. I've been going through, and I went through. I started in 1963. After it started with Serzes at the time, I went through it. I combed it over. I can show you the dates. We didn't have the message when I first come in. In 1966, and Brother Branham's gone, and we had just got this church age book at the, at the meeting in Shreveport. We had fair few tapes. We sat around as a family. We read that paragraph by paragraph. Thank God for a godly family that did that. I cut my teeth reading a church age book. At 15 years old, I had something to preach. Everybody's gone today. You're, you're here. You know. You were there. You were there when our, when our church first started. You know. You know how I preached. I was 20 when y'all came. You know how I preached. You know how the Holy Ghost fell while I was reading and preaching teaching from the church age book. And I preached there. I still got it in my notes. 
right in my book. I took the warning from God, and there on that day, drum butts, floundering up and down, young man, television, this and that, something changed in his life. Back there, my wife received the Holy Ghost that same day in my meeting. Her life has never been the same. And as I was going, when we finally got it where it could be in print, and I had the message, David Momless, God bless them for their work. They started printing, putting out. I could study it in chronological order. I went through it. It changed my thinking. It changed my views. It straightened me out. And I got to the last sermon in 1965. And I'm hearing God say all these things that I have been sharing with you. And I'm hearing him saying these things. I'm hearing him say to the prophet one thing after another about what this bride is to be. And I said, Lord, I'm coming now to the last sermon that was preached. And the last words that was spoken to this age. And I want to know, I want to know for sure that I understood right. And I get to the last sermon communion. And this is what I'm sharing with you. He says in the communion, you know the hour will soon arise. Last sermon. When right among us will be the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, the hour is arriving. Now, you just remember that. God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. Hallelujah. Let me tell you again. Let me, as I've went through and I've studied and I've come back and and I've collected Rachel, you were there, just there with, you asked me what I was doing. I took every one of those books and I had flags all through them. And I went back over everything. Because, because it was said that a lot of us don't know what God's really going to do in this end time. And it challenged me. And I went back and said, have I missed the boat Am I in the wrong way? Am I heading the wrong direction? And I went through all of them and had come to the last one. And again, it jumps out at me again. The hour will soon arrive when right among us will be the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias Sapphira. Remember, the hour is arriving. Now you just remember that. See, God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. Now that's what God wants to do. Amen. Right now. 
He wants to dwell among his people and show himself the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's not a false hope to tell those that are crippled or blind. I don't care how long you've been in a situation. I say let's stir up the gift of God in us and begin to believe that all things are possible to them that believe. Is there anybody else who said, that's what I want? I want that revival. I want to stir up that gift of God in my life. I want to rise to the occasion. I want an awakening complete and total in my life. I want a surrender of my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. As you're standing here and the musicians head this way, Brother Branham said, again in 1962, he said, he says, now he's set in the church to keep the church in line with the word, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, officers of the church. God sent, not man called, God sent inspired men to keep the church lined up. Now what is it? Gifts of the spirit in the church, not a bunch of fanaticism. And oh God, the last thing I want is a bunch of outbreak of Azusa Street nonsense and impersonations. And man, if a real church is ordained of God, really filled with the Holy Ghost, and sin would appear in the church, it'd be another Ananias Sapphire. I'd like to walk into one, see all the women and men under the power of the Holy Spirit. If somebody had done something wrong, the Holy Spirit would rise up and reveal it. They'd have to clean up. That's gifts of the Spirit in the church. Oh, God, send us a church like that. Again, in 61, backing up another year, I wanted to see, come to a church, I longed to see it, or walk in the back door, front door, wherever it is, and look across the audience and see a perfect church all in order, and sin couldn't stay there. No spirit, the Spirit would call it out. You see, it just couldn't stay like Ananias Sapphire. You couldn't do it. There'd be no sin in that group. See, the Spirit would speak it like, quickly speak it like that. No matter how it was, how little it would be done. See, men and women there under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moving perfectly. Somebody done something wrong in the congregation, they come quickly and confess it before the Spirit got a hold of it to confess it and come tell it because they knew right then it was going to be called. Amen. And then he went on to tell why Ananias and Sapphira isn't called. He said, because they're the heaviest tithe payers in the church. And a lot of times sin is sitting there because the pastor and the minister is afraid to call out against it. We got today message girls running, playing soccer in shorts. That's a disgrace. And it's because of backsliding in the pulpit or either that people won't listen. Boys and girls are allowed to wear shorts around the home. It happens here. Backslidden parents. It ain't the kids that are backslidden. They ain't never got anywhere. It's the parents that are backslidden. A lot of times it's a backslidden mom that won't back daddy up while he's away from home. That's why it's important. That's why it's important that there be a head of the home and there be a structure in the family and keep that family under the token. 
It's time for men to for come to Jesus meeting, Dad. Because, you know, men are still responsible no matter what, what has happened. You let your wife do something, you let her cut her hair, you're responsible for it. And you need to come to Jesus meeting. Amen. Come on. Styles have changed, though, now that, that dresses are above the knees. Girls cutting their hair to shoulder length. Hey, that's been preached by those who claim to be in the message. Teachers, it's okay to cut your hair as long as it's just, you know, to the shoulder. God of this evil age, Brother Branham said, this is 1965, just before he lives. You say, you say cutting hair, what's that got to do? Brother, let's just stop a minute. I feel somebody resent it. Might be on the wire somewhere. A hair to a woman is a Nazarite vow. Hair to Samson was a Nazarite vow. When a woman cuts off her hair, she absolutely denies her Nazarite vow that she is a bride to Christ. Because that one thing, she spoils the whole picture. Just that one thing, she spoils the whole picture. Same thing when a man wears long hair. Amen. Brother Smith back there was in prison. A tape got to him. He was vain and proud of his long hair. Is that right, Chris? Amen. But you heard the word preached. And what happened? You surrendered to the word. Your hair came off. Amen. Come on. It's exactly right. You see, again, hair is a Nazarite vow to a woman. And he said, Samson was consecrated to an age and to a purpose, therefore he had long hair. The woman that's a child of God lets her hair grow to show she is consecrated to every word of God. If she cuts it off, I don't care how much she dances, sings, is in the choir, speaks in tongues, runs up and down, has all kinds of age society, she is dead. That is, thus saith the Lord. The word of God. First Corinthians 14, she's denied her Nazarite vow and sold out to the God of this modern age. She does it. Now, shame on you, lady or woman. Think of something to play. I'll preach all day. Okay, I will. Thank you. I'll preach to Luke. Because if you think having uncut hair is an option, think again. Like some Pentecostal girl said to me in the hospital when Karen was in the hospital, she come in and she said, well, you know, some of our church believes like y'all, but we don't. So that's in the law. I said, it isn't in the law. Paul taught that. And Paul said, if I, if a prophet or someone thinks he's spiritual, let him acknowledge what I said to be the truth. So let's just read it. 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Don't nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame to him? Chris, that was a shame, and you cut off your shame. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for hair is given to her for a covering, and he's just covered it. He just covered exactly what the hair was to be. It was to be the covering, not some wrap on your head. Your hair. 
But if a man seem, if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such customs, neither the church of God. So Paul said, and says he summed it all up, and he said it like this. Right, this is how things are done in all of God's churches. And that's why I said that none of you should argue about what I have said. Let me read it again. That's how things are done in all of God's churches. And that's why none of you should argue about what I have said. It's undebatable. Case closed. You say, Brother Branham, I did shut up. Brother Branham didn't do nothing. He just said what Paul said. It's a Bible truth. But I want to tell you, there's people that are getting ready for the dynamics. So, oh, well, Brother Tim, I got the dynamics 50 years ago. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, the Holy Ghost, I, it, well, it's time to stir it up. Crank up that gift of God and wake up Jesus in your boat. Again, listen to this. He said, what, and what shall we do with Jesus called Christ? He said, God's little flock that believes the word, its mechanics is ready to. It's ready for the dynamics to set it afire with the Holy Ghost. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good will to give you the kingdom. The Holy Ghost will strike a little church <laughs> that's come out from the world. Women that have, wears long hair, Nazarite, to prove they're separated from the world. Oh, I want to tell you, there's a flock that believes and has the mechanics ready and ready for the dynamics to set it fire with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe we're predestinated for this time where, where he says we're going to see a church. That, that, the church, when it gets to its place, are you ready to take your position? Amen. Then that's when Philistines will go to backing up. Amen. Amen. The shorts will go off. The hair will grow down. The faces will be washed. Cigars will be missing. That's right. When the church begins to get in its mighty power, when they have an Ananias and Sapphira, a few of them, when you'll see that when the Holy Church stands together in its power, positionally placed as sons of God, adopting the family of God, a powerful church standing there in its glory. Oh, that's what he's coming for. Hallelujah. That's what he's coming for. That's what he's coming for. How many would say today, I want that revival in me. I want to be that revival. I'm going to do what Paul said and I'm going to stir up. I'm going to wake up the gift of faith that is my life where I start believing. Where I start believing for the impossible. I've heard enough of the wails and the cries of moms and dads. Oh, that are in such, such pain cause of trouble in their home. Children that are mindless. Things that are happening. And the doctors say there's no hope. 
I'll always be this way. But I'm trying to disturb your faith, not your hope. Maybe it be that habit of that alcohol, those drugs. Say, it'll never break, it'll never break. I don't have any hope. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, and I have no hope. I ain't trying to get you to hope. I'm trying to get you to believe. I'm trying to get you to believe for the impossible. That if God saves, he can save me. That he can reach right down to my dust where I am and find me and call me out and make me a real son of God. Amen. How many feels that way this morning? So I want to be a real son. Let him come from glory today. Amen. And come there and illuminate the light within my soul and change me in his presence. I want to be different. I want to be changed. Make me more like you, Jesus. I could speak in other tongues right now. It's right here at the surface. All I have to do is let it go. But for you, I'm going to speak in your language. There's a Jesus in this boat of evening light tabernacle. And that Jesus is being stirred for the needs in this church. And I'm believing right now that the Almighty God will bring healing and deliverance. Yes, I'm angry. I'm angry at Satan. I've had enough of you, Satan. I've had enough of your torment. I've had enough of you tormenting God's children. I hear their cries, and God hears their cries. And he has come down to deliver. And he's right here among us this morning to bring deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. And I say, Satan, you take your hands off of God's property. I adjure you in the name of the Lord to leave God's people that they can be free to serve the living God. In Jesus' name. 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 It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Go to praising him right now. Go to thanking him right now. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Something's happening. A change is taking place right now where you thought was hopeless. Somebody's beginning to believe. A church is beginning to believe. A church is beginning to take hold of that promise. It's happening. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, lay your hands on somebody next to you. If you're not worried about COVID or whatever, and there's somebody in your family, whatever, you can lay your hands on them. What about you, man? Won't you be a, won't you be a daddy? Won't you sis, be a real sis? We want you young people be a real person. You deacons be a real deacon. You trustees be a real trustee. 
You preachers be real preachers. You musicians be real preachers. Be real musicians committed to God right now. Amen. So I want to stir that Jesus in my boat. I want a revival in my home, and I want to rededicate myself right now. How many would like to rededicate yourself? How many would just like to give yourself to God right now and just say, I, I, I ain't got nothing to rededicate, but I want to give it. I want to surrender it. I want to yield myself to it. I'm tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Today, I want that deliverance for my life. You're not impossible. It's not an impossible case. And I'm not giving you hope. I'm faith by faith, I'm speaking to you right now that there's deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive it in Jesus' name right now. Amen. Satan, you got to take your hands off of God's property. I claim them in Jesus' name for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Just take that moment now. And you claimed it. You claimed it for yourself. You claimed it for your loved ones. You raise your hand to God and just begin to worship Him and thank Him for it. What good is it if you plant a seed and you don't water it? Come on, begin to water it. Water it with praise and thanksgiving. Amen. He's going to do that work that He promised right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody want prayer, we'll pray for you. But Brother Big, come right here and let me pray with you this morning. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Come on, you ministers, come down here with me. God bless you, my brother. Amen. Oh, my. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can save this prodigal. You can save any. You can take religious spirits off of a man and give him something genuine. But a love in his heart for God. That's our God. That's what he can do. Amen. We're just asking God to complete, complete blessing upon his life. That today, that he'll walk in the newness of life. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We claim every promise, Lord. We saw it as you begin to restore a family here some time ago. Lord, there in our meetings, we heard the sermon, take it back. And we're taking back every promise, every part of our inheritance. We're claiming our healing, our deliverance. And we're taking back what Satan stole from us. And Lord, we thank you for this prodigal that's come home and the work you've been doing in his life. And we testify that there's been a change. And Lord, from this day on, Lord, may it be that he walks in the newness of life serving you with all his heart in Jesus name amen and amen thank you Jesus hallelujah blessed be the name of the Lord hallelujah do you love him this morning amen let's give him praise let's give him worship amen give a hand clap to God just just begin to praise him begin to express it somewhere the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you hallelujah it's no ifs it's no if. He's living in you. He's living in his church. He's resurrection life. He's the power of Christ to do the exceeding abundantly, to heal, to deliver, to save, to set free. Sing a song, Timothy. Sing a song. Give me a heart now. Give me a 
one more time. Worship the Lord now. Isn't that a lovely song? 
it's certainly been my desire to walk with him. Enoch walked with him. He went from faith to faith, from adventure to adventure. It's time we walk to take another step. Get a little higher. Become a little more consecrated to God. Draw near to Him. Whether you're on the mountains or whether you're down in the valleys, you keep walking with Him. Well, I've been on the mountain. Glad to walk with Him in the mountain. I've been with Jesus down in the valley. She said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I got this testimony, but not of her. One time has he failed me. For to him with my troubles I go. Bye. 
great to, for God to be awesome in this place. Amen. For him to be present among us where two or more gather in his name. He said, I'll be there in the midst. I believe him. Amen. Don't you believe him this morning with all your heart? Amen. Well, as I told you, you know, we, we started out this whole thing. And we, we were certainly getting out of room in our old building that was in. I told you I was building this for prodigals to come home. Amen. There was a space there for Brother Vic. Amen. There's space there for every repentant heart. And, and, you know, here some time ago, I guess it was October, God turned his life around and he'd been showing fruits of that, you know. And so we thank God for those fruits that he's shown. But today, he wants to make everything clear and everything right. Amen. Leave nothing unturned. He knows that he has done everything full requirement. And, of course, he's been baptized before as a young man. And, but today he comes now, you know, sincerely uh, surrendering his life to God and, and say, I want to walk in the newness of life, that the old man is dead and I'm new in Christ Jesus, and I'm going to walk in the newness of life. Brother Vic, the Lord Jesus sent me into the world to preach the gospel and he said that these signs would follow them that believe. And we believe that this is one of the signs that demons would be cast out and people would be saved. You know, it's, it takes the casting out of Satan to fill one with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because God won't dwell in an unclean vessel and with Satan in there. And, of course, we know the enemy has left you and you are now free to walk in the newness of life. Being that God gave me that, and by that testimony today, he commissioned me to preach the gospel and to demonstrate his word. And he said, he said, commissioned me to go forth and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And in obedience to that divine command that Jesus taught us, I baptize you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let him rejoice. Amen. Heaven can rejoice. Let him rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let the job of the Holy Ghost just spread over this being in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. For Praise the Lord, Lord time I travel down the long, lonely road. My heart was so heavy. In sin I sank low. Then I heard about Jesus. Yeah. 
Yes, I am saved.